to the Pumps and Systems podcast. I'm your host, Drew Champlin, Managing Editor of Pumps and Systems Magazine. Earlier this spring, I had a chance to go to Houston, Texas for the ABB Customer World event. The keynote speaker on the final day of this four-day event was Mike Rowe, host of the hit Discovery Channel series, Dirty Jobs, and an advocate for blue-collar jobs. He has long fought the narrative that one must attend a four-year school to succeed in life and in the workforce. Rowe, who hosts the podcast of 10-minute short stories called The Way I Heard It. You can search for that on podcast platforms. He spoke to a crowd of thousands about doing those dirty jobs that made his show a success. I had a chance to speak with Mike Rowe one-on-one for an article titled Mike Rowe Fights Dirty to Close the Skills Gap on PumpsAndSystems.com and that article was featured in our cover as the cover story for our July 2019 issue of Pumps and Systems Magazine. This is the interview that you're about to hear as this episode of the podcast. It is also transcribed in a separate article if you want to go read it on our website, pumpsandsystems.com. Go to the search box, type in Mike Rowe. His last name is spelled R-O-W-E. The presenting sponsor of the podcast is SEPCO. For your ceiling needs, visit sepco.com. You'll hear more about them during this podcast. Please subscribe to the Pumps and Systems podcast on all platforms, including Apple, Google, CastBox, Stitcher, and more, or listen to each episode at pumpsandsystems.com slash podcast. And now here's the interview with Mike Rowe. Okay, well, this is kind of broad, but what got you interested in helping solve the skills gap? Well, look, I guess the honest answer is it, it started selfishly. Um, I wanted, Dirty Jobs was a hit, a big hit, and um, I was constantly out in the media talking about exploding toilets and misadventures and animal husbandry, and, and, and that was great, you know, that people love the show for that. But I wanted to talk um, more broadly about some of the bigger themes in the show that, that propped it up and made it relevant in 2009. Right, so when the economy tanked in 2009, suddenly everybody was talking about the definition of a good job. And I was weirdly in a place where I had something to say. And I had seen a lot of work, so I just looked at the most common complaint that I had heard from business people, which was a, a recruiting challenge. And I thought, well, why, why is it hard to recruit? You know, And that question led to, Whatever the answer is, let's just focus on the opportunities that exist. And so I started to, from a PR standpoint, try to make a case for those jobs. Okay. And that's how it began. It was a, it was a way for me to talk about dirty jobs in a broader way. But it was also a genuine attempt to help the industries that had allowed my show to prosper to do a better job in recruiting. Okay. What mindset should young workers have to gain the critical skills to become and remain successful? Uh, They should be, first of all, suspicious of the idea that the thing they think is going to make them happy will make them happy. They should be not just willing to try something new or different or potentially unappealing. They should look for things that are new and different and potentially unappealing and then they should find out how to love them. Yeah. It's, nobody ever got hurt by learning how to weld. Nobody ever got hurt by, by learning basic plumbing. It doesn't mean you have to weld the rest of your life or be a plumber for the rest of your life. But, but until you try it, 
and until you get a better sense of what the opportunity really entails, you'll never know, because society will never tell you, because that's not a narrative that, that we push. So I would, I would simply say that the willingness to experiment and not get locked so firmly uh, into a position and not to take on so much debt yeah. that you can't change your direction later. Um, just go, go gently into the employment market and uh, don't go underwater. Yeah. I guess the next question I had was, what are the biggest obstacles you see these days with young workers as they enter the field? I know you just kind of touched on that a little bit. Is there any more you, you would add to that, or is that kind of... Well, I mean, the pressure to borrow money yeah. uh, is enormous. The pressure to go to a four-year school is enormous. Um, the peer pressure is enormous. The pressure from guidance counselors is enormous. The pressure from parents is enormous. So if you're an 18-year-old kid trying to figure it out, you're going to be surrounded by people who are telling you, do this or else, or be careful over here, okay? And you're going to get a, you're just going to get a lot of different advice. So I, I would say that there's a lot of advice you need to listen to and figure out, but don't. If I, if I stayed the course, personally, if I stayed on the path I wanted to be on, uh, I, I wouldn't be here today. I, I'd be pushing the rock up the hill, and I, I'd be unhappy. You know, staying the course only makes sense if you're going in the right direction. And I think, you know, a lot of people tell kids today, hey, look, you got to be persistent. Keep at it. Well, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I, the, the best thing that ever happened to me is I, I tried new things. I kept trying new yeah. things for years. Okay. What are older people in the industry overlooking as they seek out younger workers to bridge the skills gap? Um, I think they're overlooking the fact that uh, young people today have a, um, a different set of expectations than young people did 30 or 40 years ago. And they also have a, uh, a BS meter that's way more tuned. Young people... <laughs> know when they're being marketed to, they know when they're being advertised to, and they know when they're being sold something. So I think a lot of companies that I work with make the mistake of overselling the opportunities that they have. Now at the same time, they, they, they have to give an honest look and a, and, a, and a persuasive look at what you can do. But it's a, it's a very, very um, tenuous thing. If you, if you come at it too hard, you'll, you'll scare them off. So to make a persuasive case for opportunities in your industry, there's only one thing to do, and that's to introduce to the country people who have prospered in your industry as a direct result of mastering a trade. You have to tell their stories. The company story isn't interesting. The individual story almost always is. And now a word from our presenting sponsor, SEPCO designing and manufacturing world-class fluid sealing systems and solutions from mechanical seals and bearing protection to pump and valve packing. If it's fluid sealing, SEPCO's got it. Contact SEPCO for all your sealing needs at 800-633-4770 or email at info at sepco.com. Visit them on the web at sepco.com. That's S-E-P-C-O dot com. And let the fine folks at SEPCO know that you heard about them from the Pumps and Systems podcast. 
And now back to the podcast. Okay. What can companies do to attract and keep good workers? Well, the obvious answer is, you know, the workers need to feel like they're taken care of fairly. Um, but because that's uncontrollable, you know, that's kind of relative. You know, what's fair for me might feel unfair to somebody else. I think the most important thing they can do is, is let them move the needle in some way. Show them in some way what their task is actually leading to. Prove to them, remind them over and over that without you, we don't have this, 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 and that. So they have to, they have to understand uh, that their work is meaningful. And, and again, that's another thing today that's big with millennials that wasn't that big when I was, when I was 20. I, people come to me who work for me all the time say, I just, I just wish I was, don't really feel like I've changed enough yet. Like, well, you've been here six months, you know, yeah. you know, it's, but you know, it's, it's to their credit really. They, they want to have an impact. So I think sometimes employers think a little too narrowly and keep people, you know, you, you just do this, this is your job. That's not, that's not satisfying yeah. anymore. Okay. They, they have to understand that they've got skin in the game and that they're doing something that's making a difference. Okay, just three more. Uh, how is the current political climate affecting today's younger workers? Well, the, the political climate's affecting everything. Yeah. Um, because everything has been reduced to a binary choice. And so, with regard to recruitment, it just reinforces this idea that there's blue collar or white collar, good jobs or bad jobs. Um, and, and that's all false. Um, I, I think that really the future is a much different combination of skill and learning and knowledge and technology and wisdom and application. You know, I don't think it's definable. Uh, but regarding politics, look, you're, you're either affirmatively um, in favor of championing alternative educations, or you're affirmatively in favor of accentuating for your schools. So it, it, in Maryland just now, there was a, I think, kind of a disgraceful ruling where they, they had it all lined up. It was ready to go through the legislature, this, uh, this bill that would have really freed up some resources for kids who weren't cut out for four-year schools. But it died. The, the Senate didn't pass it. And it was purely political, because you had a Republican governor who was behind it, and you had the other side who simply didn't want to give the Republican governor a win. And so he didn't get one. And the people who pay the price are <laughs> the country. Yeah, It's a shame. What changes does America need to make to change the attitude that kids have to go to college to advance and make a good living? Again, it's perception. We have to do a better job of showing kids real-world examples of people who prospered as a result of learning a trade. We also have to remind them that so much of the knowledge that was only available at college once upon a time is now available on your iPhone. You can watch lectures for free from any great university in the world, you know, from Yale to Harvard to wherever. Yeah. You can pick up your phone right now and you can watch it for free. It's not the same as going, obviously, but 
one costs two hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> and one is free. So yeah, figure it out. Okay. I guess last of all, kind of broad but short question: What gives you hope? Oh man, I mean, look, it's actually the thing that gives me the most hope is that deep down, nobody really knows their ass from a hot rock. We don't really know, you know, and and that doesn't frighten me. It actually gives me relief because everybody today is filled with so much certainty. You know, the robots are coming to take our jobs. You sure about that? I don't think they are. You know, yeah. there's there's so much misplaced certainty that I actually take hope in the fact that, look, 30 years ago, nobody could have imagined where we were sitting right now. And just a generation before that, you know, there was no air travel, for God's sakes. I mean, really, 100 years ago, we're still going across the prairies, basically. And, and so whatever's coming, we don't really know what it is. And that gives me a, a weird level of hope. And that was Mike Rowe. We'd like to thank Mike Rowe for his time. We'd really like to thank ABB for setting up this interview. Please visit sepco.com to learn more about our presenting sponsor, Sepco. If you have a podcast suggestion, please email me, Drew Champlin, at dchamplin at cahabamedia.com. That's D-C-H-A-M-P-L-I-N at C-A-H-A-B-A-M-E-D-I-A dot com. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.